Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Read, and when God lays something on your heart, something out of Scripture grabs your attention, write it down right away. And then during our five minutes, Write down why, God, why you think God brought that to your attention. Think about your life. Think about what's going on right now. Um, and just begin to write down some of your thoughts. You may just find that God is speaking to you today through your very own Bible right at home. Well, we're going to get started. And so we're going to see this first video come up. I'm so glad you're here. I'll see you at the time for the message and for prayer uh, in just a little bit. Have a great day retreat time this morning. Isaiah 50, 4 through 9. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near, who then will bring charges against me. Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Now we will take time to pause and listen to God as we journal for the next five minutes.
Philippians 2, 5-11 In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now we will take time to pause and listen to God as we journal for five minutes.
Would you stand with me for the reading of the gospel? We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 to 54. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked the crowd, Which one would you like me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am, an innocent, I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. The governor's soldiers took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right, the other on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were there crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Aloy, Aloy, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out from the tomb after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response, as always, is thanks be to God. Let's take a few more minutes, uh, continue to listen to God and to journal.
Well, now is the time when we move into a time of prayer. So I hope you've enjoyed your retreat setting. And, and the good news is it doesn't have to end just because our time has ended. Maybe there was something else that you wanted to write down. I would encourage you after the service today, just pick that journal right back up. Read that passage one more time. Continue to journal. This is something that you can continue as a practice day in and day out. To read a portion of Scripture until something grabs your heart. Write it down and ask God to show you what it is saying to you in your everyday life. I hope this retreat setting has been as meaningful for you as it has been for me. I'm glad I was able to teach that to you and I hope it becomes a lifelong journey and practice. But as we prepare our hearts for prayer, we have been reading the psalm for the day. And this psalm, I think, speaks to all of our hearts today. And so let's read Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16, as we prepare for prayer. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors, and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in You, Lord. I say, You are my God. My times are in Your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies and those who pursue me. Let Your face shine on Your servant. Save me in Your unfailing love. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And we're just going to do one verse. It sums up all that the teacher has been saying. He began this whole work with this verse, and now he concludes his whole teaching with one verse. I'm sure it will surprise you if you've been with us six weeks. If this is your first Sunday, hang on, we'll explain it. But let's wrap up the teacher's teaching from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning and ending at verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 8. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. I'll never forget when I was a little boy, probably a couple years younger than my son Jackson, so I was probably around nine. Uh, we were living in southwest Ohio at the time in a town called Piqua. And uh, I'm, I'm just old enough that the circus was still going on. And so out at our local mall, 
uh, which was really just a strip mall with a couple of stores on either end. Um, they they had uh, the circus come to town and they took up a big portion of the parking lot. They put up the tent, the three post tent. Some of you remember those things, those days. And they had the circus laid out. And uh, my mom and dad decided it would be good to go. And so we went and we found our way into the bleachers. Uh, this was a new experience for me. It was a little darker in the tent. There was hay on the ground. And of course, the three rings were there. And we saw uh, the clowns come out to entertain us and, and all of these things. And all of a sudden, there was one act in one of the rings where they were going to bring out a gorilla. And this guy was going to uh, show us how he had trained this gorilla. So they brought him out. And of course, the dramatic music is coming about how dangerous this is and how the, the cage is there to protect this guy. And, and so they opened up the cage. And, and at first, the gorilla came out and, and uh, the guy was you know, working with him, getting him to move here and, and, and play on a ball here and do these kinds of things. And then all of a sudden, that gorilla left the ring. And all of a sudden, that gorilla was coming up into the stands. And that gorilla moved into the stands just down from where my family and I were sitting. And I was terrified. He began to move down and, and he was right there in front of me, banging on his chest and, you know, doing, making the noise that gorillas make. And the, the trainer was trying to get his attention and, and coming now. I'm being a bit dramatic here. It was obviously a man in a gorilla suit. But to a nine-year-old boy, I had been sucked into this circus story. And I was scared. And I had no idea what was going on. And I did not enjoy one bit being sucked into the circus. In many ways... Palm Sunday is like that experience of being sucked into the circus story. And it can be a very scary experience. In fact, the older Christian traditions uh, would do two services crammed into one service. They would begin with the liturgy or the service of the palms. Now, that's what we traditionally do on Palm Sunday. That's when they would hand out palm branches to the kids. And, and sometimes they would begin in the village square and they would do that. And the priest or whoever would lead them in and they would sing Hosanna and they would wave the palms. Sometimes it would be elaborate where someone would dress up and ride on a donkey as, as Jesus and, and would come into the church area. And they would wave those palms and they would, they would recite and, and declare, Hosanna, Lord, save us. And they would uh, recite Psalm 118 and they would read the gospel passages during that service. But then, right in the midst of that, they would switch into the liturgy or the service of the Passion. And they would begin to read all of the passages that were read for you today. They would read Psalm 31 that sounds like Jesus. Jesus crying from the cross. They would read the gospel passages about the betrayal of Jesus, the trial of Jesus, and ultimately the death of Jesus. They would do this all in one service. It's like whiplash. And these service, this one service with two parts, show the shocking turn of events that begin 
on holy, during Holy Week on Palm Sunday. And they're there to remind us that we still can get sucked into this circus. We still operate within this service. We still operate with a lot of meaninglessness. Or the word that is there is actually the word, if you've been with us all six weeks, you know this word. Say it with me. It's the word hevel. Now, Let's just review that in case you're, you're new with us today. Hevel, or what our teacher in English says, meaningless, meaningless. The Hebrew word there is hevel, hevel. Everything is hevel. And it doesn't necessarily mean that all is meaningless, like life has no meaning. Or some of your translations will say vanity, like life is all about self-obsession. But it's hevel, and that literally means smoke or vapor. It's something that it looks like it's right there, like you can grab it, but when you put your hand around it, it's just gone. It's not there. Uh, smoke is there one minute and then gone the next. It, it gets too high and it just dissipates and it's, it's gone. In other words, what they're saying is that life is temporary. Life is random. Life is mysterious. Temporary, temporary. Everything is temporary. Random, random. Everything is random. Mysterious. Mysterious. Everything is mysterious. And the truth is, brothers and sisters, we don't like that. Ecclesiastes is here to take off the rose-colored glasses and show us life as it really is. And we don't like that. We want certainty. And the teacher, through his negative teaching about the meaninglessness, about the hevel of life, has called all of this to our attention. All of our strivings in this life are usually for certainty. And the teacher says that if you're just looking out for certainty, even certainty in faith to a certain extent, it is a chasing after wind. You will never get what you are looking for. If all you want from your faith is to be certain about the destiny after you die and not to live your life surrendered to the God who is with you in uncertainty, the God who so loved the world He gave His one and only Son, then you, my brother and my sister, are, ch are chasing after the wind. And Palm Sunday, this service with two different parts, this circus that we get sucked into, it exposes the hevel in our life just by the story. Oh, there's, there's all kinds of characters that we can just find ourselves sucked into. The first is the crowds. They're the ones that as Jesus is entering into the city, they're throwing their cloaks down, they're waving palm branches, and they're crying the word Hosanna, which means salvation or save us. They are crying out to salvation from God and they believe that Jesus is the one who will provide this salvation. They are cheering Him. But when they seemingly don't get the salvation that they are looking for, the story tells us that they choose Barabbas. They choose a rebel who had murdered Romans and was serving time now. You see, they, they realize if they're not going to get what they want, then, then they would rather have a man who murdered their enemies than the Son of God who taught them how to love their enemies. Hevel. Hevel. Everything is utterly hevel. 
Well, maybe it's the religious leaders. You know, the religious leaders, they were supposed to be the ones who would lead and guide Israel into God's presence. They were there to be the mediators between God and the people and the people and God. And they were to teach the people how they could live their lives in the presence of this God who was holy and loving, who had delivered them from Egypt. But when one man, Jesus, challenged that by actually living in God's presence and in God's power, they turned. And the institution that was meant to be salvation for the Jewish people became one of the instruments of destroying an innocent Jewish man, God's Son, whom we call Jesus. Hevel. Hevel. Everything is utterly Hevel. Maybe it's the disciples that you identify with. These were the ones who were chosen so that they would live like Jesus and show Jesus lifestyle and teaching in the world. They were the ones who were shown the, the miraculous healings that God's presence brings. They were the ones who were taught to love their enemies, to turn the other cheek, to do all of those things. But when the pressure was on, they betrayed Him. One of them did. They disobeyed Him. The one they, He had taught turn the other cheek is the first one to grab a sword in the garden. One of them denies He even knew Jesus. And they all abandoned Him. They ultimately showed that what they wanted was the same thing the crowd wanted. They wanted power and that was what they thought would save them. Hevel. Hevel. Everything is utterly hevel. Lastly, maybe the Romans you identify with. You see, the Roman Empire said they believed in peace and justice. But they used the threat of violence to keep the peace. And they let a man they declared to be innocent. Pilate said he is innocent. But he allowed him to be tortured and killed in the name of peace and justice. Hevel, hevel, everything is utterly hevel. So did you get sucked into the circus? Did what you saw within yourself in these characters, did it scare you? Are you beginning to see that maybe you have some of those same chasings after wind, those same desires for certainty that may lead you to grab for things that are temporary. To chase after the wind. Are you seeing your own hevel in your life? Well, maybe it's not in this story. Maybe your hevel is being exposed by this time of quarantine. Maybe you saw yourself and you've invested a lot of time and energy in showing that you are a great parent. And in spending 24 hours a day with your kids, you're finding that image frayed a little bit around the edges. And maybe you're beginning to see, oh, temporary, temporary. Everything is temporary. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you think everything is working fine. You have a great marriage and all of those kinds of things. And in spending 24 hours a day together, you're finding that frayed as well. 
I, I saw a meme last night that said, my wife and I decided to play this game during quarantine together. It's called, why do you do things like that? And there are no winners. Hevel. Hevel. Everything is Hevel. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you've invested a lot of time and energy in eating right and working out and being the best you you can be to stay healthy and you're not going to let old age get you. You're going you're gonna to fight for all it's worth. And now you're stuck inside. And those Cheetos are so tempting. And that extra bowl of ice cream. And there's no workout and there's no, there's no treadmill for you. Or maybe it's even more serious than that. Maybe you're one of those essential workers and, and, and you're out to, to go to the front lines. And you've worked all the time and, and you've seen that, hey, I can either bring healing or that other person may die. And that's what you work towards. But now it's taken on new significance because now you're not only going to help someone else, but there's the chance that that disease could get to you. And it's shaking you to the core and you're realizing temporary, temporary. Everything is temporary. Hevel, hevel. All is hevel. Maybe it's your finances. You had everything set. The stock market was going through the roof. And now you've watched it crash. Or maybe you've lost your income and your job. And you have invested your life into that work. And you're seeing the hard lesson. You're getting sucked into the circus. Hevel, hevel. Everything is hevel. What about students? I don't want to leave them out. Maybe you've worked hard in school. Maybe, maybe that was where you really enjoyed things, where you gained your certainty. You knew your future. You knew how it was going to end. You were going to be valedictorian. You were going to have a great graduation. And now all of that's put on hold. And you're beginning to see what is life all about. And it feels like hevel, hevel, everything is utterly hevel. Or maybe school is where you gained your popularity. You had your kid, your, you had your friends and you wore your certain brand of clothes and, and you could show that and now all you can wear is pajamas. You have your daytime pajamas and your nighttime pajamas. And you realize even that, even popularity can be temporary, temporary. Everything is utterly temporary. So what do we do? Where is God in the midst of all this hevel? I believe that the second part of this service with two parts tells us when we get to the service of the Passion, and it tells us that the arms of God are stretched wide open for you and they are nailed on a cross. Exposing the hevel as one who was righteous dies in their righteousness. Ecclesiastes 7.15 tells us. It exposes Jesus in His death on the cross. Exposes the hevel of life. And it also shows us 
how God chooses to show you how far God is willing to go and to suffer to be with you in this life. In spite of all the hevel, God is with you. Christ is with you now in this temporary, mysterious life. So what do we do? What is our response to this God? Well, first, I think our first response is to stop chasing after wind. To recognize that all of those things that I've listed, and maybe you've come up with two or three or four more, are hevel. Meaningless. Chasing after wind. Temporary. So stop for a moment. Pause. The whole world has been put on pause right now. Take advantage of that and stop. Take a moment and rest and breathe. And then begin to reevaluate. To look at all the things that you've been chasing after that cannot bring meaning. The things that you are striving after that you hope will bring certainty to your life, but often wind up bringing death. They wind up bringing stress. They wind up cutting off your relationships. They lead often into missing the mark or what religious people call sin. What we in the church call sin. And when you begin to evaluate and see all of those, you realize the thing that you are called to do is to repent. To say, God, I've been chasing after the wind. I've been chasing all these things. And I need You to change my heart and to change my mind and to turn and pursue You and You alone. To realize You are with me on this journey. That You are willing to go to the destination of heaven, to death, to meet me even there. That I might know Your presence with me. And then finally, you are called to just receive. To receive from God His wisdom, His help, His guidance, His mercy, His forgiveness, His correction, His presence. God will be with you in the midst of all of this. So wherever you are right now, I want you to know that God is with you in this circus. He will never leave you. Even when you think it's at the end, Christ is there. Jesus reassured His disciples that He was with them even to the end of the age. But we must stop, rest, reevaluate, repent and receive. So wherever you are right now in whatever circus you find yourself in, can you take a moment your heads and let's pray together. Father, we come to you and if we are honest, these scriptures, this service has sucked us into the circus.
And you have held up a mirror through the teacher. Be with my brothers and sisters wherever they are around the world. Call us and help us to show Your presence and Your peace everywhere we go or remain. For we pray all of these things through Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with You in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen and Amen. Well, I want to encourage you before I give you the final blessing and before you sign off, I don't, I want you to real, know that we are going to do a Good Friday service at seven o'clock, live streamed on both Facebook and YouTube Live. And so I want to encourage you to write that in your calendar right now. There's one other thing I want you to do. I want you to find seven candles or seven lights, because this is going to be a part of our Good Friday service. I don't want you to just watch me do this on a screen. I want you to participate. Get the kids around. Get your family around, whoever's with you in your quarantining. And uh, have those seven candles set up. And we'll give you instruction on how to do that at that service at 7 o'clock on Friday. So make sure you tune in and join us. Seven candles or seven lights that can be turned off. It's a part of our Good Friday service tradition that we do every year. I'm looking forward to seeing you online and, and being a part of this great service. And then next Sunday, we will celebrate Easter online in your homes. I'm excited about that. And so make sure you're ready to go at 11 o'clock. We're going to celebrate and enjoy. You're going to be in your home. I'm going to be right here. And we can't wait to celebrate this together. Do me one more favor today and take a picture of wherever you're celebrating church. Send that in on Facebook or, or to our church website. And we want, to, we want to see where you're worshiping and stay connected. Have a great and safe week. May God bless you wherever you are. Go in peace. Go in His name. And stay healthy, my friends. Wash your hands. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.